Hey, opiners. This podcast is brought to you by OriginMain.com. Yes, OriginMain.com. Where you're able to get all durable goods and supplements made right in the United States in my home state of Maine. And what's awesome is they're giving you the ability to save some money by listening to this podcast. Go to OriginMain.com. And when it's time to check out in the coupon area, put in Lehman. 10. That's L-E-E-M-A-N-1-0. That will get you 10% off your total order. And what's awesome in the month of January is any of the supplements that you order from OriginMain.com, when you put in Lehman 10, you also will get free shipping. So that's on the protein powders, the energy drinks, and all the supplements. So go check it out today. Everything is made in the great state of Maine. That's OriginMain.com dot com and the code is Lehman 10 l-e-e-m-a-n 10 and now to the podcast welcome to opine nation i'm lehman and i'm lynn and we're here to tackle life's tough and humorous topics we're not experts but we have experiences and opinions galore. Well, I'm going to tell you something and yes. you're going to freak out. All right. I could hear the music. What the? F- <laughs> yeah. I thought that's how you wanted it to be. I was like, dude, this is so legit right now. Yeah. Yeah. But Tatiana, the joke about this is like, last night we recorded an intro for tonight, the one that dropped today. Uh-huh. And I couldn't hear the music. But the week that the kids were on, because we had we had Lehman's two kids on, mm-hmm. and I could hear the music that week. Weird. Yeah, it's so bizarre, yeah. and we can't figure out like what what we're doing. <laughs> That's wrong. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> hey, <laughs> happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. <sighs> <sighs> don't don't think about this the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh <laughs> as usual, we are 50 miles apart. Uh I'm in Bowdoin, Maine. Lynn's is in Biddeford, Maine. And through the marvels of modern technology using a cell phone, uh we're able to do this podcast because we are the best social distancers ever. It's legit. Yep. Um so we're coming at you And again. we have yeah, we have someone even further away this time. We do? Included in this. Oh, boy. We're we're getting fancy. This is our third. Wait, is this our third guest or fourth? This well, is fourth. Actually, fifth, because you got to count my kids as two. Oh, true. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> and two of our guests yep. are from a different time zone. Yes. Right? Tatiana, you're in a different time zone. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, you're not sure if I'm supposed to talk yet. No, talk whenever. <laughs> yeah. 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 I am central time. So, in, uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. And my sister what was, was the other time. Okay. I was like, what was the other time zone? Yeah. So she's an hour behind you and two behind us. I always forget about my own time zone. Yeah. It's because it's small. That's true. It's not. Well, she's in basically. Yeah, she's like near Denver. So, have That's... you been in 
December. Sorry, not to like get sidetracked, but I can't oh wait. yeah, I'll yeah. So my sister Sarah moved there from Kansas. I want to say they moved in 2015 because okay. I think that's the year. Nope, it must have been 2016 because that's when I moved out there to teach. Found out I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was teaching and deciding if Yoshi and I wanted to go move there. Found out Wait, I was that's... pregnant while I was there. No, why? Yes. I did not know any of this. I thought so you were she's... like here for a while or there for a while. I had only been there for a couple months, and I found <laughs> out I was pregnant. I did not. This is hilarious. I never knew that. So I moved back very quickly um, <laughs> because I was like, well, I can't grow a baby by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I needed to, like, make sure Yoshi knew how uncomfortable I was every day. In yeah, person. and he he did. So he did. won that, yeah. Yeah. And I let him know every day how much my pregnancy <laughs> sucked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Go, Yoshi. He's such a He's, gem. He really is. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> um. So you're calling in from Minnesota. Yes. Um. Hopefully my accent isn't too strong. But yes, I'm calling in from Minnesota, from way up north. We're like three hours from Canada, so we're like way up there. Ooh, how um, far right? away are we from Canada? Uh, I'm wondering if we're on the same latitude. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Depends on where you want to go if you're going to new brunswick i want to say that's like three or four hours oh we're like on like, the same yeah okay that's so crazy yeah actually um, actually it'd be five or six three or four is from my old hometown in bangor and that's an hour and a oh, half okay. north so yeah okay. okay yeah did you guys used to go to canada to drink um early at the age of 19 <laughs> oh do, do you want me to be honest about canada because i can do that oh please do i am sure we all have our stories oh so oh my gosh okay i love canada oh canada is is the best ever um okay i was just making sure we weren't just about to diss canada no no i'm not i only have fantastic memories of canada okay fine Mm -hmm. yeah continue um so um when we would go to canada i was drinking age already in the states my buddy was underage so it was cool for him but and putting this out there please i was a young man when i did this um in montreal in the saint Catharines district strip clubs are full contact yes i've heard about that so yeah when you're 22 23 years old and you can touch a stripper you go to canada oh my god got it okay now now that i'm much older and wiser i understand that that was wrong yes. <laughs> yeah yeah you've matured yeah. yeah you've come a long way from your montreal days uh I, i'd like to think so but then i also <laughs> wonder if i was to go to montreal right now would i still have the same high morals oh okay <laughs> yeah i mean at least you're honest yeah so that's why we would yeah. go to canada because you can you can touch strippers Okay. okay. That is not why I went to Canada. I went <laughs> because I wanted to drink. Um, but our part of Canada is not as exciting as your part of Canada. It's like you go over the border, everything is the same. You have to like, you're in this small rural town where you still have to drive like 30 minutes in either direction and get to a gas station. It's not exciting, but there were like mm-hmm. 
really sad, pathetic little bars that we would go to and just like get super trash. Yeah. (laughs) I, that's funny because I worked, when I lived in Korea, a lot of the teachers I was teaching with, actually, I, I was one of two Americans. Everyone else was from Canada and there were probably, I don't know, a dozen of us at, at my one school. And everyone else was like in the central from the central part of Canada, which I think is what you're describing. The really lame. It's called Thunder Bay. If anyone feels so inclined <laughs> to visit Thunder Bay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rural, just like kind of quiet, yeah. sleepy town. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have very many memories because I was always just like, going hard in my like <laughs> high school <laughs> it's so sad I look back and I'm like really that was what you spent your time doing I think that's more normal I was like alcohol like averse in high school mm-hmm. but you did I remember us talking about this I remember you saying that you would smoke right I so I tried smoking a couple times and I didn't really like that either I smoked cigarettes. (laughs) It was after when I lived alone and I was working in an office in my early 20s, that's when I started smoking a lot of pot. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, I got further away from that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just like ate a lot of pizza. And now (laughs) I just drink wine. Oh, you you turned the corner. Yeah, I think I that like. makes me a grown up. <laughs> I think that makes you a mom. But I, I, I that is that's the, the exactly wine. what it is. <laughs> Not a grown up, a mom. <laughs> There's a difference. Uh, and don't forget your Oreo cookies, because that seems to be a, a staple with your wine. <laughs> is that really, Liz? <laughs> that is a true true story. <laughs> that sounds like so disgusting. <laughs> It's so gross. <laughs> that sounds so gross to me. Oh my gosh. Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Anyways. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. I'm gonna try yeah. it. Maybe I'll love it. And I'll just You gotta eat the eat the Oreos first. Okay. That makes you know, a difference. Okay. It makes a difference. It's not like I'm eating them with the wine. <laughs> it's the yeah, precursor. That, that... Okay. What mm. does the Oreo do or like what does it signify for you? I don't know. It's comfort food. I've had a okay. lot of Oreos in 2020. I nothing wrong with that. I I made my way. I like made it through. You know. Yes. You deserve the Oreos, and that and was good wine. enough for me this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, Shoot. And then everything was going great for what five six days in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this year this? Oh wait, Go ahead. is this your first, um, am I your first 2021 recording or not? <gasps> you are. Yes. Yes. I, w- wow. I have made it. I feel like I just got like the best prize ever. This is going to be amazing for you because a few years down the road, you're going to be able to go back to this and be like, ah, this is before the country collapsed. And that's going to be a fun <laughs> memory. <laughs> 
Wait, so you're saying it hasn't already? No, we're not even halfway <laughs> through the collapse yet. Come on. Neiman thinks like... there's more to come. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Did you two hear about Nostradamus's predictions for 2021? No. No. Oh, okay. So we're going to get asteroids, a famine, okay. and then the apocalypse. Oh, okay. perfect. I mean, at least it ends with the apocalypse. I yeah. can handle yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... I want to know where the aliens in between all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think the aliens are already here is actually my theory I, on that. But Yes, we are the aliens. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Just like we are the zombies. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so you're our first guest. The best part about that whole thing was Tatiana was like she and I went back and forth mm-hmm. to figure out a schedule. Okay. Via via text message, which we're really good at because <laughs> we're moms. And <laughs> and you were like so specific. You were like, Okay, I really can only do this day. <laughs> I really can. You guys are like catching me in my free night. Yeah, and so it worked out perfectly, and we would have yeah. changed yeah. recording nights if we needed to, of yeah. course. Yeah, I, I'm the extremely no. flexible one in this duo. Lynn's is, <laughs> yeah, is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> is that Definitely. the word we want to use? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The Lynn? yoga teacher isn't so flexible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is perfect. Oh, yeah. she's got you there. but tatiana was like okay because you're like doing a hundred things can do you want to tell folks like yeah because i feel like i wouldn't do a very good job let me tell you please do um no i i mean it is a lot right now so right now you know along with having two little kiddos um you know, and I guess the husband. And Eloise um, is how old? Six? Yeah, yep. Oh my and gosh, how old is Esther? It. And Esther is three. Oh my God. So it's, it's so, so busy weird. at your house. It's very busy. And then, so Eloise is actually in school right now, which okay. makes it a little bit crazier. Yeah. But we have, you know, our family, and then I work. I work a lot. And then I also am in grad school. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> no, no big deal. Um, ruining my life, not really, but, um, you know, it is really busy right now. And so I had taken like two weeks off of work. And so I really didn't want to be like, um, I wanted to talk to you, Lizzie, but I didn't want to be on the podcast talking about work stuff when I was like, just mentally checked out and like on vacation. So, oh, I, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so I decided to give you, like, one night only that I could do it, because next week, my grad school starts up again, and so after that, you know, my evenings are consumed, (laughs) I have no time for anything, so. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I really don't know how you're, how you're doing at all. What are, what are you in grad school for? Will you explain? Yeah, so it's called, um, I always feel like it's like I don't even know. Once I say it, I'll explain how I feel about it. But it's um, a master's um, program in management and leadership, organizational management and leadership. 
Um, and I always feel like that's like a joke. <laughs> like, you know, when someone oh. says they're like, I don't know, going for like, well, I won't say a certain, any certain degrees. I don't want to offend anyone, but you know, like I'll a say fake, it, like a fake degree or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I always feel like that when I say what I'm I mean, going you could say like, like what, like an English degree, right? Everyone's like, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That? I was yeah. gonna say that. I think yeah. that's I think that's fine, and and the English folks are used to getting the brunt of that joke. That's true. That's I true. also would say like. DC specific the joke was Poly-fi. it wasn't so much like, yeah or like I'm a contractor oh yeah oh like that yeah, like what do you do and they're like I'm a contractor and you're like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> what does that mean what do like, you do you don't make money you don't do anything <laughs> or you hilarious. make a shit ton of money and I don't know how you're doing it <laughs> I know I never trust a contractor in DC that's like my theory yeah, because so, they're, okay. they're doing illegal work, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think your master's program sounds like that, but what do you plan on doing with it? Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jake is going to be so pissed off when he hears me say that. Um, no, I, I am in the social service field right now, right, like doing nonprofit work. Um, you've done so for a long I, time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, in DC okay. I worked for a nonprofit. Um, so yeah, and I went to school. So my bachelor's is in social work. So that's like kind of like the direction I was headed, anyways. But I just felt like um, when I, you know, the end game maybe is to be like an executive director or start my own nonprofit or something down the road. Cool. Um, but I just felt like people in the nonprofit world, you know, they like make their way up because they're good at what they do. But mm-hmm. then they have to manage all these people and, like, run a business, essentially, and they don't mm-hmm. know how to do those things. They just were really good at whatever they were doing before. Mm-hmm. And I just never – that, like, terrifies me. Like, I don't ever want that to happen to me. So I'm, like, I need I need to have, like, some other skills besides just being good in, like, the nonprofit realm. I want to, like, understand business. I want to understand, like, how to manage people. And um, so, yeah, that's why I did it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, as a it's, teacher, we take like one classroom management course. Well, I did at least in my, in my, when I was in grad school. <laughs> yep. But I don't, it doesn't really prepare you for all the things. Like, mm-hmm. y- you know, there's a lot more management th- and now online. Like, how do you manage oh, a classroom gosh. when everyone's in their own house? No. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. It's so different. Yeah. So, I mean, not that like anybody's program would have known that was going to happen. Right. But that's not something they covered. Yeah. But I do think that skill of managing people, you know, that's like that customer service position, right? Like you have to be able to manage the people working under you mm-hmm. or for you or for the, uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, for the, for the cause. And then you also have to manage all of the outside vendors. Yeah. I guess I don't I don't know if that's the right word is vendor, but yeah. Th- there's there's more management of all sorts of people, not just employees that you do. Mm-hmm. Once right. you get it's there. True. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's been really awesome. It's obviously the hardest thing I've ever done having yeah. kids and working, but I am learning 
so much about myself and so I feel like education is wasted on the young like if I had done this program like five years mm. ago when I graduated well I didn't graduate college five years ago but you know what I mean like if I had gone back um, I was like wait a minute school, did I go no. into a time warp <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have appreciated it I would have been like screw this just get me in and get me out like I wouldn't have yeah. soaked anything up so I'm at a point where I like enjoy learning which is cool yeah that's awesome how'd you convince Jake that you needed to go to grad school (laughs) you're gonna laugh um I was like well here's the deal I really want another baby (laughs) what (laughs) or I can go back to grad school (laughs) and he was like go to school yeah he's like see you later (laughs) wow um, yeah, he was, I mean, he's always really supportive, no matter what, you know, yeah. but, um, and I've always wanted to go to grad school, like, when I was in D.C., um, I was going to take the course of getting my master's in social work, and I had applied I at, I feel like we talked about that. Yeah, I had applied at colleges, I had gotten accepted, and then, um, the day I found out I was accepted at, um, George Mason University, I had, mm-hmm. It was like that was where I wanted to go. I got accepted. I got the acceptance letter, and then like two hours later, I found out I was pregnant with Esther. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. You know, and so that was kind of the end of it. That was kind of like, all right, we're just going this route for God knows oh, how wow. long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The things we do for these babes of ours. I know, right? But they're so cute. Yeah, I know. They're full. I Forest is full of love, and that's because. us right and Mm -hmm. also I don't know Esther because I was gone when you had her Mm -hmm. but I do know Eloise a little bit and she was like the sweetest toddler I'd ever met she was so friendly and she was happy yeah you should see her now she's like the worst (laughs) (laughs) Daryl oh my friend do you I don't know if you met Daryl so for the background reference here, Tatiana's husband and I used to work together with Yoshi in a pizza place in Old Town, Virginia, which is like just south of D.C. And that's how I met Tatiana. Well, well no, like I feel like we should back up because this okay. is like the thing that you might not know is that I really didn't like you, which I will ah! say is like how I make, I kid you not, every best friend I have always starts out with me actually despising them I don't know what it is but I'm not it's a very weird thing and it's a pattern I just recently realized um so yeah my best friend in Albany hated my guts when she first met me (laughs) she like she did she did not yeah of course she did not (laughs) want to be friends with me until finally I think I like just asked her if I could sit with her for lunch and I don't know I must have just sweet talked her enough that like she realized that I wasn't an evil person (laughs) and uh I would love to get her perspective on that actually because she and she's told me she's like I did not want to be friends with you (laughs) and not because like I was mean or snotty or she was just like no I just didn't like you from the start Mm -hmm. well we've been friends for like 15 years so jokes jokes on her <laughs> no shit <laughs> <Corey>. hilarious oh <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, so I didn't like you, and I, you know, I don't know why. I feel like, um, oh my god, I, I, don't know, I thought was you were so annoying to you because I no, loved I talking you were... to you. Did you? I thought you were like super cute. You were like pregnant, and you looked like great. And I was like, what? How does this even happen? Like, this is not how. Like, I was so. I think I was jealous of how like lovely you looked during pregnancy, while I looked like you know, two cows smushed together for my first pregnancy. And so this um, is totally all about perspective because me being pregnant was the most miserable 40 weeks of my life. Mm -hmm. I remember. (laughs) So, yeah. So once we got talking, I was like, oh, so she's really not happy. So this is okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, then of course we got to know each other and yeah, the rest of it. Oh my gosh, I have a memory of earlier, of of knowing you before that. I think we definitely knew each other because we would go to, like, the work parties. But we never, ever sat down and talked until you were pregnant. Mm. I thought we I... were closer than... This is hilarious. I thought we were no. closer than that because... You used to come into the restaurant and you would bring Eloise and I would just like goo and ga over your gorgeous daughter and try to chat you up with your rad purple hair. I don't know. Maybe it was pink at that time. Yeah. No, we, I think I definitely, we definitely talked, but it wasn't ever anything. I was so enamored with you. Well, I'm sorry that I don't remember this. I'm just kidding. That's I, hilarious. No, I, I do remember us talking, but it was never, you know, it was never like a friendship until you became pregnant. We got to know each other. And um, and then you were the yeah. most helpful and supportive person postpartum for me. Really? That's so Oh, my funny. God. You brought food. You brought yeah. that. You brought a taco dish for me. Mm-hmm. You knew you just knew like the right things to say and the right amount of time to stay. <laughs> and, yes. and like, oh. I don't know. I, you would have stayed if I wanted you to stay longer. And like, I didn't care that I like didn't, I didn't have to wear a bra in front of you. Cause like, who's wearing a bra when they have an infant. Seriously. Oh my God. And I'm just like this. I think I was still like a goopy mess. Mm-hmm. And you just yeah. didn't even like, I don't even know if I'd showered and you know, post-pregnancy hormones make you smell different like yeah I was a mess and you just like came into our tiny house apartment and you just like handed me food you were like do you need anything what can I do you're doing great it's like oh my god oh I need yeah. to hear all these things oh my gosh we all need those people I just remember how hard it is and you lived it a little bit but how hard it is without family like that it's yeah. you know and Lehman I don't know what your experience was as a dad or like if you had family around uh, um well my two little ones it was my wife's family okay um in new jersey uh and then noah my oldest um yeah the family was pretty good yeah okay yeah, yeah. it makes a difference it really does yeah. and so yeah. Yeah, we didn't have that when we were both in D.C., first-time moms and trying yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> and in the, like, parody, so. in, the, in the restaurant world, like, most mm-hmm. people aren't having babies. So you're no. kind of like, now you've even further isolated yourself because you're not a yeah. part of the crew anymore. 
Yeah, I definitely I, felt super isolated at Paradiso. I remember telling yeah. Jake, like, after I was pregnant and we went to the Christmas, or no, it wasn't the Christmas party, the, the, the summer, summer party. party. I, like, got in the car, and I remember I just, like, cried because I was, like, oh. no one talked to me. Like, you were the only one that had talked to me. But, like, obviously, you're, like, drinking and off having fun. Yeah. And I was, like, I don't even want to, like, Jake was, you know, he wanted to go, and it was awesome, and it was really lovely. But I just remember feeling, like, I don't fit in here. Like, I don't fit in. Like, it just was such a lonely time. And yeah. then when you're at those, you know, with Paradiso folks, they just, you know, it's focused on each other because we know each other and then yeah. drinking and, you know, that whole restaurant. And you were like, so you were the spouse. So you weren't yeah. even like, you didn't work with us yeah. before you got pregnant. So yeah. I would it's, imagine that even further made you feel isolated. It was super, it's such a weird yeah. dynamic. But, and over time it felt much better. Good. But yeah, it was super weird. Yeah. So. It's funny because now like having separated from dc and being up here i'm i'm still really close with pizza peas people mm-hmm. like we're not i i mean i have a i have a handful of friends here like lehman obviously we didn't work together in dc but like <laughs> everyone else <laughs> with the exception of a handful of people is because i met them in dc that's through a, through a pizza restaurant like so yosh and i play D once a week with or every other week now we changed our schedule um with drew and daryl and zach who's like a super original paradiso worker yoshi okay. still works yoshi still works with greg at oxbow yeah <laughs> like i and all these pizza pee people come up to maine because so many of them were from here anyway it's so wild it's so that's amazing though i mean like jake jake doesn't keep in touch with it like anyone like not I don't know anyways he's not like very good at like communicating like <laughs> keeping in touch with people so yeah I think he texts with Mike every now and then but oh good that's awesome yeah like I haven't really talked to Mike I kind of stopped talking to Jeremy I still talk oh, to Courtney yeah. and James because yep. like, Courtney and Forrest have the same birthday so that but that was kind of mm-hmm. fun I love with Courtney um, yeah yeah but they moved to Richmond Yes, I heard that. They're living their best life. Yeah, I know. Those kids. And it's so much cheaper in Richmond. I know. Like, that was so smart of them. But it's so hot. It's so hot. <sighs> it's so... But it's hot in D.C., dude. Like, it's so hot in D.C. <laughs> like, it's all hot, okay? <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Those oh, summers were killing me. I, when you're pregnant, too. Seriously, like, I would, like, lay on top of our, um, we had, like, one of those floor vents where the AC would come up in our apartment, and I would literally, like, lay on top of it while I was pregnant. <laughs> it was so bad. And then, yeah. Jake would be like, get off. I can't get in. You're not, like, giving it the air in the rest of the room. <laughs> too bad. I'm growing a human. <laughs> yes, I can exactly. do whatever I want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. But yeah, I remember so that, when you and Jake moved to DC. That's so weird. I um, because I was already at the restaurant and Jake like strolled up. He did. Did you? We did a podcast together. He and I with a friend um who has her own podcast about parenting called the Parent Chat Podcast. Oh, I she, haven't listened to it yet. Oh, it's okay. It's you're not <laughs> just us talking, but we did talk about um 
how oh my god, I lost my complete train of thought. Holy crap. Um how oh, how Jake took that job at Paradiso to spite me, like when we first moved because we had moved from Minnesota, Minneapolis is where we were living. And I took the job without really like I took the job in D C without really like his blessing. <laughs> were you married at that point yeah we were like newly married and i had gotten the opportunity to interview at this nonprofit in dc where i had interns like i knew the people and they were like hey there's this job like apply and you know we'll put you through the interview process and stuff so um i made it through and you know i was like jake i think i'm gonna get the job like really i think i'm gonna get this job and he was like that's awesome that's so exciting and I took that as him saying, like, go for it. I would love if we fixed <laughs> up our lives and moved. So when they called me to be like, hey, we're going to offer you the job. Do you want it? Without hesitation, I was like, yes. And we, like, made all the plans. And then I, like, you know, he gets home from work. And I'm like, we, we're moving. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> he was, I was like, yeah. And he, he was just, like, not happy. And I was like, I thought you thought, like, I thought you were excited. He's like yeah because i thought we were going to talk about it <laughs> and so yeah that was how we our move to dc happened he's like well i can't be like the asshole that like keeps us from you know moving to dc and so he like was so unhappy about it like so we get there and he didn't work for the longest time and finally i'm like dude you need to get a job like i don't yeah. know what you're doing you can't just like mope around there for it like <laughs> the rest of your life wait where were you living because were you in virginia no we were in um what's it called um and not adams morgan like outside of adams morgan columbia heights area oh okay and he went all the way down to old town uh yep (laughs) yep for a while and so he was like looking for jobs he actually had like some good interviews some good like callbacks um but then he just, like, I don't know, he just was, like, so upset, like, that we were there. Like, he just didn't want to be there. And um, now I have a different view of the restaurant industry. But, you know, I will say, yeah, I always thought, like, <laughs> you know, you don't make a lot Ooh, of again. money. Like, yeah, yeah except when you're in like, D.C., you make a shit ton of money and you pay yes. off your grad student loans. Yep. That's yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Just saying, because like I yep. at that point I was during the day, and then I would work at Pizza P like two days a week during the school year, and then I would just bust my butt all summer. Yeah. And Which I paid off those student there. loans real quick. That's yeah. so cool, oh. though. Or like, look at Floor. Floor's been there mm-hmm. forever. Oh my gosh, I know. Like I know, supporting a family, like a big family, yeah, a big family with like extra children that aren't even biologically hers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's so amazing. She's an amazing Um, woman. Yeah. So Jake applied, and he's like, "I'm gonna be a busboy. I got a job to be a busboy." I'm like, "No, the fuck, you did it." Yes, he did. What? And he's like, "Yeah." And so he's like, "They have a place in." Old Town. Morgan, I think, or no, yeah, but it, the other one is in Adams Morgan, right? DuPont. 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 And he was like, I think I'll work at the DuPont location probably, like, it'll be fine. And then he got asked to go to the Old Town yeah, location. Yeah, well, what he wasn't was... like... Go ahead. No, it was like, because um, we didn't have metro and then walk, and it was like an hour 
probably one way for him to get to and from yeah work yeah he would come in a sweaty mess sometimes <laughs> yeah sorry and i remember it was jake djing at the time oh no. that's do you remember I, he I I hope he doesn't listen to this because if he's gonna kill me, he's gonna be like, "You should have just left it that I was DJ." No, he wasn't. He was working at um a dinner oh, theater. Stinker. <laughs> he was working at a dinner theater, like doing plays at a dinner theater. Oh, hello. He was DJing. He um has maybe I don't know. I'm not gonna like. I don't, as long as I've known him, he's never DJed. And I'm going to, next time I see Jake, (laughs) this will be brought up. Yeah, I think it should be. Too bad he's not here to defend himself. He would definitely fight. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, sorry. Well, I don't think Jake and I, Jake and I didn't really get along that well at work. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, Yoshi gets along with everybody, so like, yeah, it was never a problem for him. But you know, I'm I don't get along with everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jake is like, you and Jake are very similar, actually. Yes, so I think that's why you didn't get along. Totally. Um, he definitely like, and he I I could never work with him. So my hats off to anyone who can. He whatever but I think like when he was younger and working he was definitely kind of this like I know everything like yeah or I'll do it myself don't don't tell me how to do something or I'm not going to ask for help or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and I not in a hard time working with Jake <laughs> yeah I'm I mean like that was the weirdest thing for me because I was like I like this guy <laughs> yeah but I, I did but I you know I worked him. but I can't work with him mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm. that's what it was and I yeah. watched Jake go I watched him go from back waiter to server to ma- to like night manager mm-hmm. or like floor manager or whatever we're calling it yeah. to like GM and I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> this guy has too uh, much power I gotta go <laughs> I don't blame you oh that's so funny I didn't realize that to the I mean I know that you didn't like working with him but that's hilarious well, so at that point, I had started working at DuPont because mm-hmm. it was a it was like a better fit for me at that point. Yeah, but I'm yeah. I'm so glad for my time at at the Alexandria location and like meeting all the people I've met. I mean, Absolutely. you and I wouldn't know each other. Yeah, no, you know. Yeah, it's going crazy. It's I I look back on all of those like pizzeria days fondly but um yeah I mean the joke is on me really because he is you know killing it in the restaurant industry still. yeah so he's so, still doing it he's still like mm-hmm. a boss man yep 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 so wild I know it's so funny so anyways sorry I feel bad that I'm we're just it's yeah anyway okay I warned Lehman that this was gonna happen <laughs> he's gonna cut all of this out <laughs> no we don't actually we don't edit anything oh nope. really no editing no no well You're like i wish You're there like, was not until 2021 there was one we did take out a word we took out one word once oh okay okay what was the word yeah. Can't it say was it. the name 
<laughs> yeah, we can't say the word, but it was the name of someone's place of employment. Oh, okay. Got it. That we did not care to share. Oh, okay. I was like, can I not say my place of employment? But it doesn't That's matter. up to you. Yeah. Yeah. That was fine. Yeah. Um, Lehman, you got any questions? Now that you have, like, our whole story... Her whole background story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is, I, I am curious about your, your, like, I mean, I've listened a little bit of like what your background story is, but like, mm-hmm. how did you guys come to like make this podcast? I think this is the coolest thing. Oh, it was, so we make this podcast because Lynn's is a Frady cat. <laughs> oh, right. Because she didn't want to put start it. one. You wanted to do one, right? But you didn't want to do it on your own. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I just don't think I have that much to say. Or that really? people want to listen. Ah, see, <laughs> see, now I have proof. So, so Tatiana, you, you agree she has a few things to say. Oh, God, yeah. You cannot, <laughs> like, when she starts, she doesn't stop. She's like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Guys! <laughs> Is this going to be like the Chris episode where everyone tunes up on me and then I no. go to bed saying to Yoshi, like, I don't think I even have any real friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshi is your only true friend. We'll just start by saying that. He is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we did Wait, this because but... Jason already knew how to podcast and we we have good conversations with each other. Yeah. Okay. And we just thought like, well, heck, why not, why not record it? Yep. It also turned into like, every time we saw each other, like three hours would pass and our spouses would yeah. be like, um, where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> like in the, in the daylight hours. Yeah. I mean, nothing, there's nothing shady was happening, but they're no. like, where have you been? And, yeah. and we're yeah. like, oh shoot. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Do you so this, like have gives us a um, on the show yet? Oh, that's coming. No, up. that's it's coming. Oh, yes. It's going to be awesome. brutal. I'm so It's going to be brutal for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. No. It's going to be the one episode where I feel like I get the upper hand. Yeah, cuz I mean <laughs> you you can't say anything bad about Yoshi. He essentially walks None. on water. So, you Yeah, know. he really really <laughs> He does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Me, on the <laughs> other hand, um, I've had quite the ch- checkered past, so I'm sure it's going to okay. come up. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Wait, so do your spouses know each other? Like, are you guys just like a group of friends? As well? No. No, they haven't okay. met yet. Um, okay. So met. this will be. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, awesome, uh, though. Yeah, the COVID keeps us socially distanced. Yeah. yeah. So do you guys have a plan for post-COVID or like taking, are you going to I don't know. I don't mean to get political or anything, but like take the vaccines and then like down well, the road do an in-person podcast together or. Oh yeah. Sometimes. I am <laughs> scheduled and so is Noel, Jason's wife. We are both okay. scheduled for like round one C in Maine okay. vaccine rollout. Got which it. I don't even know. I have not heard a single word about approximately when that might be. Um, Summer, maybe. They're so far. Oh yeah, they're so far yeah. behind right now. So wow, my sister is getting her first round on Friday. Okay. And she is in Colorado working mm-hmm. with like hospice people. And so 
she's first round and she's just now scheduled for the wow yeah her her initial shot okay and she's like it's funny because nothing is like nothing that I do is gonna change like it's still full PPE Mm -hmm. it's still like all the same protocols and procedures and checking temperatures like it's still all of that even after she gets vaccinated with both doses that's I think that's true for a lot of people like yeah because you can still you can still carry it Mm -hmm. and spread it yeah 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 so I don't know I we have not Yoshi and I haven't had the conversation like what to do after yeah are you guys honestly with like what you're doing now like because Jake and I have some differing I think feelings (laughs) Ooh, we are on the same page that's good um I mean we really never argue about anything you've always said that we don't we just like don't have any like there of course are things where you're like at your wits end right like we're raising a human who also has his own opinions and like we're tired and stressed and so sometimes our fuses get a little short but like we don't really have anything to argue about (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to say that a different way no, it's you don't because need to. Yoshi's that's, the best yeah. human. He, yeah, I think that's it. Actually, it's, this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with because he yeah. just doesn't argue with me. Yeah, I would agree hundred percent because I know you and I know that you like to argue. <laughs> I also know that if you were to be married to someone, you would not shy away from an argument if need be. Yeah, so it's all Yoshi. It's all Yoshi. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, so we haven't even given ourselves, like, the time to fantasize about what it's going to be like post this mass destruction. Yeah. 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 I mean, the only way I see us podcasting in person in the near future is if the apocalypse actually comes true. Mm-hmm. And I end up moving in with you, with my family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. oh, you guys have like this planned out. Okay. We have, we have an escape plan. Um, okay. <laughs> because I I I am a bit crazy, and I'm prepared for the apocalypse. <laughs> and I am not because I don't hoard things. I wouldn't say. Hoarding. Yeah, do you have like a bunker or what? I oh, <laughs> believe me, if I was allowed. He wishes to, he did. If I was allowed to, I would have a bunker. <laughs> Uh, but are, are you either of you familiar with the term a go bag? Yeah, like you something you put stuff in, and then like if you need it, you just you grab it and grab go. it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, there are actually two go bags in this house. There's a gigantic one that goes on my back, and then there's a family one that wife and kids grab if I'm not here and they need to get to me. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, so it's um. So do you carry yours around in your car? No, no, it's okay. it's it's too big to carry. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like you keep adding to it. it. It's I may have to take a picture and post it so people can see it. Like, <laughs> yeah, my uh, go bag is gonna be like 
I don't know. Wine and Oreos. Snacks. Snacks for forest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you I can't mean, bring like a kid already... anywhere without snacks. No, we already have a go bag. It's called our purse because we're moms and we carry everything around all the time anyways. So <laughs> for everyone else. Yeah, exactly. I'm lucky if I can like find a pen and some chapstick. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Cause I always okay. carry a pen and a knife. So <laughs> oh, nice. wait, Wait, do you, okay, those things are not, like, mutually <laughs> equal. <laughs> I thought you were going to be, like, a pen and a paper or something. Oh, no, I, I so I, you, um, I was raised that you always carry a pen and a knife on you, always. Um, why, why do they have to go together, is my question. Because, uh, the, well, well, they're for two different reasons, yeah, right? Or, like, yeah, multiple, but yeah. different. Right. If you need to, like write a note while you are using your knife that or the old saying the pen, <laughs> the pen is mightier than the sword so you better have a pen on you Ooh, boom shocky locky yeah. i really like that <laughs> <laughs> okay i am not sold on that like, okay. okay i like have that have you had also... to use them at the same time i'm so sorry I'm no like i've very I've, focused on no it. i i have never had to use them at the same time like it's <laughs> Having the pen is very good for signing things or, hey, I got to write something down or somebody yes. needs a pen. Um, the knife doesn't really get taken out that much. You know, it's more okay. like I got to cut a piece of rope or some tape or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you say this, though, because Yoshi always has a pencil behind his ear and always has a knife yes. in his pocket. <laughs> what is up with all these guys and me carrying knives is what I want to know now. Like, I feel like this is probably a theme. The other thing I would love to say right now is, like, the fact that you guys just have to worry about, like, cutting a rope with the knife that you guys hold <laughs> is such bullshit. Like, if a girl carries a knife, it's because they're going to have to, like... Protect, protect themselves, themselves from being raped and stolen. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Linz, I love your your segue of how you gently get to the topic of this evening. <laughs> that was not me. I'm so that sorry. Tatiana. Oh my god. Tatiana set me up. She did. She I she did. threw the softball right to you. You know, just. <laughs> I just read the room. Yeah. Um, no. Oh, before we get into the topic, do you honestly want to know why all the guys in Maine carry a knife? Yeah, I do. Okay. I really wait, do. Wait, before you go. Yeah. In Yoshi's defense. Yep. He carried a knife mm-hmm. in DC because he opens beer boxes all day. Okay. Okay, that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. And the pencil is because you're like constantly taking inventory. Yep. <laughs> Have you seen Yoshi though? I feel like the pen is on like it's not just because he does inventory. He's like it's like a part of him. It's not. It is. Like, the pencil, yeah. it like actually just, he has a pocket in his skin and he can just like flip it back in. <laughs> it's just like in there all the time. He oh also wears God. a hat almost every day. And so it, it like fits really nicely. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the top of his head actually, like in real life. He's always worn a hat. But okay. So tell me why all the guys in me carry a Uh Bear attacks. What if a bear comes out of the woods? That's oh bullshit. God. We're Minnesota. We have bears too. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not why we we carry knives. I, mean, <laughs> I want the real um, answer. Okay. Um, it's just how I was raised. I mean, you gotta. Be, I know. You you just have to be 
prepared for most situations. Like, well, and okay, in in a Mainer's defense, it's a little. Mm-hmm. I mean, how I don't know how close you are to like the city. Yeah, but like a lot of people in Maine are really far away from any kind of semblance of civilization. Okay, so it's like carrying a wallet. Yeah, kind of. Right? Like, you <laughs> could you could eat if you have a knife on your person. If you what got you stuck eat? out in the woods. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Like survival. Sur- yeah. Yeah. It's a okay. total survival mentality. Okay. Yeah. Slash. I'll cut a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. For I'm the kidding. for the record, I have never pulled my knife for self defense <laughs> against another human being. Yeah, because you're a man. Who... <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, we don't have to go here. And oh, so it boy. begins. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I will tell you, um, if I am afraid of anybody, I'm more afraid of a female than a male. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Are you threatening to females? Like, why are you afraid of a female? Because they can tell you they're pregnant. Oh, my God. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Those are terrifying words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they really say, I'm a female, and even for me, they're terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Okay, we, asked, like, we really time, did ask like you that. to come on here for, like... Because you do a job that I don't think many people think about or know about. And yeah. I know yeah. I'm so glad you said yes to coming on the show. Me too. I'm really happy that I did too. I'm not going to lie. The only reason that I said yes is because I wanted to talk to you for like, what has it been now? Almost an hour because I miss yeah. you so much, Lindsay. So I was like, <laughs> yes, this is going to be like, the only way apparently that parents can talk is if they have podcasts and bring their friends on because you, this okay. is like not the first time we've been, Let's been on a podcast. Schedule, we'll just, after this, we'll just schedule in like a monthly wine date where we like zoom each other and drink wine together. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Right now. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but when I'm done I'll wait for you. School, I'll yes. wait for after yes. grad school. Just know that I'm here in the wings, cheering you on and patiently, not so patiently waiting for you to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm happy to be here and talk about what I do. It's actually quite amazing. Mm. Yeah. All right. All I remember is you, here's what I remember from you in DC. All I remember is you worked for a nonprofit. End of Mm -hmm. story. (laughs) yeah did you ever know i mean it's like very controversial i think what i did in dc so i wasn't Um, super like wordy about what i did i think i'm staring at yoshi's knife in his pocket at this moment by the way (laughs) um (laughs) does he have a better answer for why all men in maine carry knives hold on let me ask yosh why do all men in maine carry knives in their pockets he said, it's a handy tool to have. See? Just makes sense. <laughs> Jason goes, see, it just makes sense. Okay. Yes, it was a 
someone told me and it was like a hush hush and it was like what i can't remember yeah no i mean it's something to do with um, babies mm -hmm. yeah so i worked um for a nonprofit that was like a pro-choice legislative nonprofit so um we a pro-choice like, or not pro-choice? Or sorry, pro, not pro-choice. I got that wrong. Holy crap. A pro-life. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. And mm-hmm. so at first I was like, oh, I better tread lightly here because I am, I'm not, <laughs> I'm yep. a pro-choice camp. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, you know, I, it's a really taboo thing to talk about. I'm pro-life, but of course I understand and I totally respect you know, everyone's opinions and like experiences around the issue, really, you know, we are all, yeah. And I was really lucky. I was raised with parents who were like, people aren't going to agree with you on this. So be like a fairly liberal family. Um, Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So I really was like pretty like, well, this is just my belief and it's important to me and you you know, you don't have to agree and I don't have to agree with you. Like it was never like a weird, like, I don't know the way for me, it wasn't like how you could see in movies or whatever, but yeah. yeah. So when I was in DC, it was an amazing agency. I think like that is where my family really came in when we had kids. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I worked with a lot of like awesome people and um, yeah. So, but there I got to really do like some legislative work. It was legislative nonprofit. So I got to like, my role it was like um, I was the press secretary for the agency. Wow! And so that I got so to like, fancy. It's not as fancy as it sounds, but I love saying it. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was really cool. I mean, like what I was in my you know twenties. Like what what yeah. kid wouldn't want to do that? You know, just to be able to say they did it. Um, but it was really fun. I got to like understand legislation. I got to understand like the federal government, like things I would have never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I got to see politics, like real politics happen, like day in and day out. And so, and you like really rubbed cool. elbows with these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I got to like, you know, I became friends with the people in my agency who were like doing the work and like writing legislation and. Um, so they would kind of like, you know, take me, bring me along or like help me learn things along the way. So it was really amazing. Like I look back and I'm like, there's some adults like still in politics who don't like, under, you know, who don't have someone who actually like helps them develop and understand how our political system works. So yeah, Yoshi's my go-to. He, I ask him all those questions because he, he understands it and, and cared to understand it. Mm-hmm. And I never yeah. did. Yeah. It's and so, so funny because you still as an adult, I'm like, wait, is that how this works? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Like, I don't know. Did you find like when you lived in D.C.? I feel like even if you don't work in politics in D.C., people just assume that like you are like to politics yeah like you're like it's like out of a movie like you're in the west wing or something all the time yeah I definitely my just general knowledge increased a lot you know and I'm from the midwest too so like when I took AP government in high school Mm -hmm. all I was doing was like taking the class so I could get the credit for college (laughs) 
Right. And I was a reasonable right. enough student that I could pass a class whether I actually was learning the material or not. Mm-hmm. In this case, I was not. And so, <laughs> like, as an adult, I've, like, learned a lot more about how our system works. Absolutely. Or, as we are all seeing, some of us not for the first time, how it doesn't yep. work. Yep. Exactly. Wait, did something so happen? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so much has oh, happened okay <laughs> but I, you know this year like there's like a lot of people for the first time are noticing that that the system was designed this way mm-hmm. like it's not broken it was designed this way and they're mm-hmm. they're they're like awakening to it but mm-hmm. there are plenty of people in this country who lived this for their whole lives and generations were like, no, we fucking known this. We've been saying it and no one's been listening. Yeah. And I'll be like real clear here. White people are learning that it's just now happening. <laughs> and black people have been saying it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's okay. Quite, but that's not the point weird. of this topic. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. I don't care. I, I'm happy to talk about that. No, no, no. no. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I'm not prepared. Oh, no, I'm prepared. I'm a libertarian. So for me, less government is better. Um, But, you know, I'm more interested in what you do. Um, Yeah. Because if we get into politics, then, like, you and I could gang up against Linz. Linz and I could gang up against you. Like, it It just... It could be dark. No, it's fine. Yeah. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Okay. Um, no, okay, but I'm not yeah. working in the same. Okay, so no, previously yeah. so, in DC, you yeah. were a, you were you're working with a nonprofit that was like writing legislation for pro life. Yeah, pro life um, policy and like um, we did a few other issues, but that was the main focus. And so, um, but when you know when we left DC, I was like burnt out. Like I honestly, and I yeah. you know would say this of a lot of people I know who've worked in there and then left. It's such a vacuum. And I mean, mm-hmm. even not working in politics, the DC is such a vacuum, you know, like yeah, any little thing happens in um, the federal government and you hear about it within like at least an hour, even in an hour, run, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, like, you know, or it's like, instantaneous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so, well, and um, uh, that when you moved, you had just had like you Esther was still little and she was sick mm-hmm. so yeah. I can't imagine like not just the stress of your job and like that vacuum but you were also dealing with some scary mom stuff yeah Esther um was born like she well it was discovered in utero that she had a brain cyst and so um yeah when she was born um she at three months old or yeah three months old needed a brain surgery um and then then that surgery ultimately didn't work so she needed another surgery so Mm -hmm. she had one again at six months and so yeah we were going through a lot and that was kind of like the time we were like and so yeah and then a lot of stuff like you know we were me and Jake were super depressed like we were just like trying to get by and like Poor Eloise was like, you know, just like with zombie parents, essentially trying, you know, we were trying to work and then like, it just was rough. And so, um, 
yeah, we were like, all right, we need to move. And I was like burnt out as well, like at work. And yeah, so I was like, I don't want to look at politics. Like, I don't want to look at a politician again for as long as I live. I don't want to be like, especially doing like media stuff as a press secretary. I was like constantly on Twitter. It like, was constantly yeah. had the TV on in my office all the time. Like, it just was like overstimulation and I crashed. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to look at a TV for like a year at least. Um, it was a little bit like PTSD, I feel like, but still like, yeah. I'm not ready to go back to DC just because it was like, oh God. But, um, but yeah, so I came back, I was like, I'm going to do something completely different. Um, I had like the opportunity to kind of like work with some different local politicians in Minnesota. Um, and I was like, I don't want to, like, you know, we would have had to have been in St. Paul and like be yeah. that's like three hours away from our family still and Jake was just like if we're moving back home to be closer to your family we're gonna like be yeah like, close to family. family yeah so yeah I got this job it's a mental health agency that I work for in Minnesota a pretty large one oh okay. and I was like perfect like you know I got it because I had a bachelor's in social work you know and I had some experience and in internships and stuff like that but like nothing legitimate mental health you know what I mean like I didn't yeah do it for years and years after I graduated but I was like I don't even care like it was um working as a skills worker kind of like um you know working with a therapist in a school setting um okay. to help kids work with coping skills essentially like um oh, so yeah. yeah yeah I mean our social workers are are great people Jason's wife is one that's in the school awesome. system yeah yeah oh, they're seriously amazing they're they're so amazing and then they want to talk about your feelings <laughs> those darn things yeah oh dang i'm Pesky sorry emotions yeah like, yeah like why do you feel this way and it's like i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know and i don't want to know yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um, oh, that's so cool. Well, let, let me ask yeah. you a quick question about being a social worker. When people yeah. find out that you're in that field, do you feel some people immediately want to like dump all of their emotional baggage on you? No, because I am not a therapist. So okay. I say that a lot. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I do know. I, I really, also, I'm not even, the type of Tatiana person. Tatiana has like good boundaries. Okay. She doesn't give she's off that vibe that, that she cares to know. She's saying that I'm a bitch is what she's trying to say. <laughs> I, no, um, I said, I said, you don't give off the vibe that you care to know. That's different than being a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like They're not interested. Similar. Yeah. I really, I really don't. It's the, I don't like people. I don't like talking to people. Like I just, I'm really good at what I do because it's like such a single thing. And I also work with teenagers now. So like teenagers oh. will let you know, you know, if they don't want to talk to you. And I'm like, totally fine with that. <laughs> I love <laughs> that you're working with oh. teenagers. I miss yeah. them. Oh, they're so great. I've got yeah. the preteens right now. And I'm just like, what are you? Oh. But the preteens are great because they're still like so like they want your attention. They still they like do. really, you know, like they're still at yeah. that like, they want to be funny and cool, but they still want to like be your friend as an adult. And once you get to the teen years, it's like, screw you. I don't even want to talk to you. Yeah. So 
Yeah, but yeah, so I started out in the mental health world, and I was like, yes, this is so different. And I, like, had a, you know, I had a seven to three schedule. Like, I was like, this is so Ooh. great. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, and so I was, like, in this agency just doing, like, school-based work. And then we always, in my agency, we had, like, this program called Safe Harbor, which works with exploited youth and survivors of trafficking. Mm-hmm. And um, I always thought it was super interesting. And like the girl who was who ran it at the time would like come into all our clinical meetings or our team meetings and kind of like list off all these crazy cases and like the youth who are you know like had like real issues versus like the kid who couldn't pass pass his like math class and had a breakdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, it just was like not that that's not real, but um, yeah. You know, it was, like, real, like, real life. Like, these kids were, you know, survivors of, like, real things. Not that the kid who couldn't pass his math class wasn't, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And so More detrimental, potentially. Yeah. 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 And I was, like, this is amazing. And she was doing, like, community stuff. So she was, like, doing trainings on, like, trafficking and, um, you know, talking with local leaders. And I was just, like, she's awesome. Like, I want to know more about this program. And um, she was so busy all the time, though, so it was really hard to, like, sit down with her. And finally, one day, like, six months after I started um, at at this agency, and we sat down finally, and she was like, it's so crazy that we're sitting down right now. She's like, I've been thinking about you forever. I'm glad we're sitting down. I'm actually leaving to start my own business, and I want you to take this job. (laughs) what yeah same exact response and you were like I just wanted to learn yes literally that's what I said I was like um I just wanted to learn I mean I you know and she was like oh you will she was like I you know um she was like I'm here like you'll train with me like I'll you know teach you everything I know um She's like, and I was like, no, you don't know, even like know if I'd be good. And she was like, no, I know. She's like, I've seen you work and, you know, within our agency and all this stuff. And um, wow. Yeah. And so it was crazy. She was like, so she, you know, we had like a three hour conversation that day about like the program and all that she kind of did. And um, at the end of it, she was like, I need to know. It was like Thursday or Friday. And she was like, I need to know by like Monday if you're open to actually doing this. And I was like, what? Um, yeah. And that, so, I mean, I literally fell into this. Like, I mean, I can't even, it's the weird. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? For what, what, like whatever you were I don't know, like putting out there, she picked up on it. Yeah. Well, I kind of get it now. Like, um, you know, you can always kind of, especially in this field, um, which I'm sure like Jason, your wife can probably attest to, like you just meet other professionals and you can kind of tell right away if they're good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Um, it takes a certain person to kind of be in each field. So, like if you're in the school setting, it takes a very particular person to be able to work in a school setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I told her, I was like, I don't even know what trafficking means. Like, I don't know what that word means. That's like, how I, I was. That's when I was like, when I texted you and I was like, I have research to do because, like, I wouldn't even know how to define it. Mm-hmm. 
I I had my idea of what like I mean I know the term, right? But like yeah, no, the, it's like what the weird... real definition was. I yeah. was kind of surprised when I looked it up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what's so your I, definition? I would say, um, well, so the I kind of like have to preface this by saying that like Minnesota, we have a safe harbor law, which is. Um, a law that like protects youth up to age 18 from getting for yeah from getting like charged or arrested or prosecuted for um, essentially like what would be considered prostitution charges or solicitation charges. Okay. Um, and so in the state of Minnesota, these youth are kind of like not seen as um, criminals, but like given the option to get services. Okay. And so in Minnesota. The definition is um, like is it state by so, state? Yeah, so it Ma- is like Ma- Maine not doesn't all have it. Maine doesn't have yep. a safe harbor law. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm really. I wish. Yeah, I'm curious how you guys operate with this issue, but um, yeah, Minnesota has one. I don't know how many other states do, to be honest. But mm. it's slowly becoming kind of like a thing right now. In the Does that make like, you more liberal? Is that like a more liberal law yeah. than, okay, especially yeah. for the Midwest, maybe? Minnesota is a really progressive state. Yeah. Like, I think on a lot of things legislative-wise and like, yeah, I just feel like we're kind of different. So it's hard to like gauge okay. how this issue is from state to state because Minnesota is really progressive in their approach to this issue. Yeah. So, yeah, so what what you, happens if you have, if you don't have a safe harbor law is that someone has to prove that they were forced, coerced, or that there was fraud involved for it to be considered like an exploitive situation. Like they have to prove those three things. Um, and that's federal. Prove that? I mean, like that's, that's the thing, right? Really like how do you yeah. prove that? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's really, um, it's really unfortunate. So, so yeah, but in, you know, like, if you are looking at a state that doesn't have a safe harbor law and you have to prove forced fraud and coercion um, for your trafficking situation, you're trafficking. So the difference between exploitation is traffic and trafficking is trafficking involves like a third party. So you have like the pimp or the trafficker, the victim and the buyer those three parties have to be involved exploitation is between two parties you have like the exploiter and then the person who's the victim and being exploited so there's like a difference when people are using those terms um and then even federally that is like what's considered like exploitation is that two party and then trafficking is that third party person third party yeah the third party being like the trafficker the buyer yep. oh the buyer is the third the party. buyer mm-hmm. oh oh man okay can i i'm gonna i'm probably gonna embarrass myself when i tell you this but i'm okay with that um i've said embarrassing things before <laughs> i i i thought that human trafficking was like the actual moving of humans 
to like a um, different like stealing them and moving them to a different location like selling them yeah that can be part of it like that can okay. be part like when someone is getting charged it's kind of like looked at especially because trafficking happens across borders so often there's okay. you know there's that part of it where it's like were they transporting um like across state lines like there definitely is that that goes into it and i think when you're thinking transporting when it comes to trafficking that's more maybe specific to drug trafficking too mm. um but yeah and maybe more specifically like globally where you know young mm-hmm. kids particularly young girls are like kidnapped and then held hostage somewhere and then are like they just like vanish I mean they don't vanish but but we can't find them all of a sudden and they're they've either been moved or they've been killed Mm -hmm. yeah or sold or yeah I would say in at least um the United States like that does happen I've worked with a few people who that has been their situation but honestly most of the trafficking that I see is like um either a family member so someone that's like trusted or like an intimate partner again someone who's trusted um okay so it's not like a random act yeah typically typically no no um there is like there's a, a national agency called Polaris um, and they have pulled what's called the National Human Trafficking Hotline. So a lot of data that um, those of us kind of like working in the field, like really look at is data from Polaris um, due okay. to the fact that like with a hotline, you're getting people who are like survivors calling or people who are like living it currently and need to like get a hold of someone, right? Like okay. the hotline is It's like the like, crisis hotline for crisis. suicide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Typically, like, their data shows that the relationship to their trafficker is typically a family member or an intimate partner. Um, Are there certain groups of people who are more at risk to be trafficked? What's my my term there? What do I say? Yeah, yes. I think you said that right. I think um, anyone can be trafficked, right? Like, Okay. Or exploited, I would say. So, like, in Minnesota, we have research, recent research for youth specifically um, who got asked, like, this survey question across the state. Like, I don't know if you guys have this in Maine, but in Minnesota, we have to do, like, what's called a Minnesota student survey every year. It's got, like, a lot of questions on it. I don't Um, know if they do in Maine. I do know that we do that in Southern Maryland. Okay. Yep. So it gave us a lot of information about like, like drugs, peer pressure, what your friends are doing, what you're doing, stuff like that. Yep. Yep. So for the first time in Minnesota, we got to put a question on there that asked you, have you ever traded sex or sexual activity to receive money? What was it? Money, food, drugs, alcohol, um, a place to stay or anything else. I was going to say, shelter's got to be on there too, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, out of the youth who answered, it was like 1.4% of youth answered yes, which was like, you know, like at least some data, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. what is that, 5,000 young people? Um, Mm -hmm. 
who answered yes to that. And so they were able to pull like all the statistics and like overlapping um, information. And so like what this survey found, and this was like 2019. So that the majority of the youth in Minnesota who um, had said yes to that question were in rural areas. So not okay. like metro areas, like people think it happens in like- Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's and in test. fact, like the highest amount of youth who answered yes were in like our, like up in our northern part of the state, which is like very rural, like probably the most rural part of Minnesota. Okay. Um, and so- And those that, surveys are anonymous. You just know like the location, like- a general location of where the answers are coming from or the school yes. district or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's all um, anonymous. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, it was interesting because like what we hear all the time is like that it happens in like metro cities. It doesn't happen in smaller towns. Yeah. Um, and then the other interesting part of this was that it pulled out like the racist and ethnicity of the students who answered yes to the question. Okay. Um, and it was like 3.1% of those youth who said yes were native or, you know, like American Indian. Okay. Um, and then there was like 1.2% of youth who were white, which was huge data to have because people always think, especially in Minnesota where like a lot of people are white, mm-hmm. um, people just think that like it doesn't happen to white people. I don't know. Yeah. So this data is showing. And so anyway, this, you know, like, and then the other myth is that it doesn't happen to boys. Um, okay, and the but it does. data showed that it was like 1.2% of boys who had said yes. And then 5.9% of youth who said yes were like trans youth, which is hard. Okay, I was going to say, is there a question about like non-conforming, non-binary mm-hmm. trans? Okay. Yeah, yep. And so, and then. What yeah, about like, uh, ec- what about like socioeconomic like status? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that survey gets into that. I don't think they. I mean, it's hard. Like, who, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if I could have. I didn't know how much, like, in high yeah, school, I don't know. my stepdad made to, like, support our family. But so, like, how does a high school kid answer that? Mm-hmm. But you yeah, know when I you're don't... poor. <laughs> you know when you're poor. Yeah. And, like, when you're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, with all of those questions, right, they do ask, like, have you experienced like a traumatic situation? You know what I mean? And like kind of from all or, like, of have you experienced it all together. homelessness? Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, and they're still like actually researching kind of to pull out more data from this. But like essentially the rest of the country actually was able to like look at this. This was like massive data to have because getting statistics and trafficking is like taboo because one mm-hmm. you need to have survivors willing to disclose that this was their experience sure um and then two like it's it's not like the trafficking is like so different the situation can vary so greatly from situation to situation to try to narrow it down in like a study can be very difficult so like I really typically shy away from sharing statistics yeah um unless it's from the Polaris um agency the the trap the hotline the trafficking hotline but okay yeah so uh i'm like i'm so curious what maine is like now oh well 
that it's kind of funny you say that because I do have that that data. <laughs> yes, let's um, hear it. Well, and I I so Maine and Minnesota both have a high immigrant population too. That mm-hmm. is correct, but I th- from African countries. Yep, but Maine's going to surprise you. Okay. Yeah, but before I give those statistics, um, what's the like the estimate of victims in Minnesota? Like, a, is there a number? Um. There probably is. So a lot of us who are working within this um, safe harbor, so it's the safe harbor law, right? And then in, like, for Minnesota, the Minnesota Department of Health has taken on, like, the grant funding part of it. So agencies get grant funding, and then those agencies who get funding, like Mm -hmm. my agency does, we have to report, you know, our numbers to the state. So I haven't seen them, like, I, I mean, I know that they presented it, but I just haven't, I don't recall it. And I don't, I'm not very good at research stuff. So I typically, if I don't have to listen to it, I won't. That's okay. not helpful here. But yeah, I don't have like any, I don't have any numbers. Well, and I'm wondering you, you really with, it sounds like you would only know those numbers if they weren't adults, like anyone 18 and below. Yeah. 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 Okay. So in, I don't know if this, I would guess if you don't have a safe harbor law, it might not be the same, but in Minnesota, um, trafficking is a mandated report. Um, and so, um, you know, it's reported even if it's suspected trafficking. So that has been helpful just because like we can kind of filter in like, all right, like we got this mandated report, suspected trafficking, like, you know, now we have this, in our in this kid's file and like we can get this kid with services that they want it like um yeah. it really does help kind of understand the issue in minnesota for sure but funny i take trainings on like how to how to like pick up on abuse and neglect and suicide and i have not had a training about like how to how to look for signs of trafficking with kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if that's even out there. Um, well, I mean, but I'm a mandated reporter. So like, yeah, I, I don't know what to look for. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, um, so all of the stuff that I was able to find and like pull, um, came through the main sex trafficking and exploitation network. Okay. Okay. Um, so Maine, it's the estimate is two to 300 victims of sex trafficking in Maine per year. Um, I can, I can break down the demographics and all that stuff, but the thing that really kind of caught me was that nearly 40% of law enforcement officers have seen a trafficking case in the last year Mm -hmm. and 71% of those officers were not familiar with any agencies that deal with human trafficking. Okay. Well, so so they had no training to be like, okay, no fucking shocker that the police aren't trained to handle something. (laughs) Well, I mean, come on. Um, (laughs) um, And I'll, I'll, I'll make an unpopular opinion. Um, I think I just made the unpopular opinion. No, no, it kind of leads into, so there's this movement for defund the police. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Throw 
a shit ton more money at them and require them to train for 20% of their time every week. Mm-hmm. And that would help some things. I do agree that more training is necessary because they are asked to deal with every single person in the population. Right. Um, more training is absolutely necessary. More training. Do you guys in your area, do you guys have um, social workers like embedded in the police no. department? Nope. No. Okay. No. And that's, that's a part of the training, not only training. Yeah. Like, it, so these guys have like these, I say guys as a gender neutral term, which it isn't. So let me, <laughs> let me retract that phrase. These officers. These officers are not trained to deal with mental health. Nope. They're not mm-hmm. trained to deal with, with anything like that or, you know, mm-hmm. it, they're, they're trained to deal with like, <laughs> I don't know. A domestic violence violence case. Yeah. A traffic stop. Yep. They're mm-hmm. really good about pulling people over when they're speeding. Do you have experience yeah. with that? I might have experience <laughs> with <Okay>. that. <laughs> I did get away with uh, uh, not a ticket, though. Okay. <laughs> I think because like, he pulled me over and it was like my first time ever getting pulled over in Maine. Mm. Which um, next That's month so is... Did you cry? Is that what you're saying? No, uh, I'm offended. No. <laughs> no, but Forrest was in the car with me. Ah, uh, that works. I think it worked. Yeah. But Forrest was like waving at the guy, yeah. like, hi. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so because I'm a special ed teacher, I'm wondering A, I want to know if the if there's a question on there. Okay, because like the statistics for people with with special needs and mental health issues for like getting raped and sexually abused mm-hmm. is a lot higher yeah than than for for kids who who aren't living with something like that and mm. so i'm wondering if that that holds true for trafficking trafficking as well and those cases might not be reported at all well i mean it sounds like Maine's a little different than than what Tatiana's dealing with out in Minnesota because um Maine this this organization and they're they're pretty amazing. Um they've actually set up profiles with numbers of what like you're going to see with sex trafficking in Maine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um predominantly white female between the ages of 14 and 30. Mm-hmm. And they say, "Well, good. I've passed that." Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, Nobody wants a thirty-seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, such a wide age range. Yeah. Like, that I is mean, wide. Yeah. Like. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there's a when you look at the the these victims, um, there is a, a history of sexual abuse or domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Another big factor is absence of supportive caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then strong possibility of drug use is a, okay. another factor that they, they look at in Maine. And again, we don't have safe harbor laws. So when they're talking here about like gaps in the system in Maine, like yeah. one of the biggest gaps is fear of legal repercussions. Like you're going to jail. Right. Um, so in, in this, the two to 300 per year, 
um, they're estimating that it could be twice to three times more, but because of mm -hmm. the threat of jail, they're not coming forward. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's like, ugh, it's kind of gross. Um, really bothers me. But yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you about a statistic that, uh, <laughs> and I think Linz will appreciate this. Um, Wait, before you just mm -hmm. like skim past that emotion that you just had. Yeah. <laughs> why does it make you feel gross? Why does it make me feel gross? Yeah, like why? Yeah, why? Why are you having that visceral reaction? Um, because you should. I mean, I I feel gross because we don't have like protections in place. Um, mm -hmm. like thirty four states have safe harbor laws. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of states that have safe harbor laws. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. why doesn't Maine, <laughs> you know, um, where, you know, our voting population is largely, like, liberal. Why aren't, why, why aren't our politicians stepping up and, like, protecting, and not just youth, but protecting any mm -hmm. type of victim that's being exploited? Is this like super naive of me to say like maybe it just hasn't been brought to the table? Um yeah. yeah. Like is no one paying attention? Uh and it, you know for sure. <laughs> it could be. I I know that like so our neighboring state of Wisconsin does not have a safe harbor law and we're right on the border in the city that I live um okay. to Wisconsin and so I see a lot of youth getting um traffic back and forth because of those different laws like mm -hmm. traffickers are smart predators are smart and um so they know what they can get away with in wisconsin versus minnesota um but also i know that like it's been um brought to assembly a few times with safe harbor law in wisconsin and my understanding is that no one can really agree it typically funnels through two areas so the criminal justice system or in Minnesota, we consider trafficking like a public health issue. So it goes through, which is why the Minnesota Department of Health has taken on the funding and like all of that stuff. So sometimes they can't decide which committee it's going to go through so that can hold it up. And that is my understanding of also what has happened in a few other states. So it's not that um, okay. it hasn't been thought of. It's just like, how are we going to approach this as a state? And sometimes that can hold it up for a long time. But I mean, who knows? I mean, because it's not <laughs> i mean people still do zumba here not to like <laughs> make, like we're 10 years behind a lot of mm -hmm. things <laughs> <laughs> but it does sound i mean like you guys have what was it that you called it jason the main main trafficking main sex trafficking and exploit exploitation network is, do, is doing all the work on on these numbers okay. inside the state okay yeah um, so that is amazing that that is like a statewide initiative it sounds like mm -hmm. um is does that any... mean we need to like write our senators yeah i would <laughs> <laughs> okay um it doesn't hurt to like contact even like a local your local representative and just be like hey what is going on on the issue of trafficking okay like, you know i want to learn and i want to hear like where you're at with it it doesn't hurt to ask those questions cool um Right now, I feel like the issue of trafficking is kind of a hot to topic. Like, people want to kind of 
kind of get on the bandwagon with it. So, yeah. Well, I, I know, um, and I, I, I promise, Lindsay, I won't say the name, but number 45 <laughs> is um, taking a lot of credit for cracking down on human trafficking in the United States. Um, Wait, I have to, I need to know Tatiana's reaction to what you just I said. Who are, you, are you talking about our president? Yeah, but yeah. you can't say his name on this podcast. Oh, okay, got it. You'll get a lecture for 10 minutes. So. No, you won't. So you can say his name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I just typically refer to this evil person as 45. You know what the crazy part is, is that um, you're right a little bit because... Um, oh, so I can't. We need to end this call. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. No, it's like the worst thing, right? I mean, it's not. It's really good. For it's good, of course. It's good for humanity. Help, but yes. Yeah. Um, he, I don't even want to say it, but I will. <laughs> um, he has his cabinet and his like, yeah, his cabinet, he's put a position, he's put several positions in his cabinet of like, um, you know, anti-trafficking positions. He's like made a task force for, um, murdered and indigenous um, women, so like Native, and yeah, okay, uh, there's a term for it uh, that I'm forgetting, but yeah, and so he, there's like a, a national task force now um, around that issue, and that's amazing because Native voices have been shut down for you know mm-hmm. forever, and so to give them a platform nationally is pretty historic. Um, especially around the issue of trafficking because trafficking with Native, the Native population is huge and an issue that is, you know, forgotten about a lot of the time. So that has been really cool to see, especially in Minnesota with the, I don't know, do you guys have a lot of, like, we have a lot, our Native population is really big here in Maine. There are, there are lots of, lots of, um, parts of Maine. That, that are reservation and yes yes sacred land okay yeah that's really cool yeah same here so um well and i guess to me it's all sacred land but um yeah but yeah so there's you know there's that and then also federally there has never been a funnel of funds available like there have been over the past four years for trafficking prevention like protocol development you know systems approach to trafficking so like you know putting money towards um like the legal system or like um training type of grants those types of things that have never that's never happened before so i you know i'll give credit where credit is due to the cabinet members who are working on this issue um a lot of things have come down trickled down through to the states so that's been kind of cool to see yeah so can can I ask you about some of like the numbers and statistics? Um, so a name that's said quite often on this podcast is Joe Rogan. <laughs> Not my <laughs> <by> name. <laughs> um, Did he just move to Nashville or uh, no? Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. So my, my question for you is, and they brought this up on his podcast and it was kind of funny because I listened to the podcast like the day after Linz was like, oh, my friend Tatiana. And she explained like, what do you do? 
Um, yeah. I mean, in like one side, I was like human trafficking, Tatiana. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know anything else. Yeah. Um, they were going over like all these, um, like high level human trafficking, um, like cases that were going on with children. Um, and they were focusing on a couple that were happening in Georgia. Um, and when they actually broke down the numbers of the cases that they're finding that human trafficking, they're actually lumping runaways in with human trafficking cases. So when they were breaking down these cases, like 33% of them were actually teenagers that had been, that had run away and then had been found and went home. So are, are you seeing like any type of skewing in the numbers like that? Or is like the stuff you see, you're like, yep, this is, this is good, solid like I know these numbers are, are on. Yeah. So this is like another thing where the numbers don't trafficking is one of those weird things. Um, I always like tell people that like, it's hard with numbers, right? Because they, you have to have youth who disclose what's happened to them. But also like um, trafficking works backwards. A lot of times people think like if we have law enforcement finding youth or like, the justice system like working with these youth or whatever it looks like in this case runaways um who got lumped in with these trafficking numbers um like ultimately the services once the services are in place then you have people and youth who are willing to like engage in services and then start to share their experience right and that's when you can get the real data um that didn't answer your question whatsoever but like i say that to say that i work with uh, most of the youth I work with have been runaways at some point or have been on run um, or are on run. Um, and they, in data shows in Minnesota that it's 73 hours that a runaway youth will get approached by a trafficker or an abuser or predator. And so those numbers I think are probably pretty accurate because yeah, the youth might have run away and come back, but what ha might have happened is that in that time frame is that they might have, you know, traded sex or sex favors for anything of value for a place to stay probably, you know what I mean? So they were exploited. Um, so I think, and I see that almost all the time with the youth who I've worked with who have been on run is that they were exploited at some point along their time away. Hmm. Okay. And so they might well, go off in the system as a runaway, Mm -hmm. Right. But and they're not going to they might, especially with runaway youth, they're not going to tell you what they just went through. Therefore, they just get the label of runaway. But it makes sense to me completely that they would be within those trafficking numbers. OK. And and then what about the number saying that like seven, what is it, uh, 70 to 90 percent of all um, trafficking victims have a history of sexual abuse? Is that something that. Mm -hmm that you see yeah oh that or... doesn't surprise me absolutely yeah. yeah every kid that i have worked with yeah okay yep yeah yeah that's one thing when i do trainings too that is like the first probably risk factor mm -hmm. is that you have a youth who's experienced sexual abuse or domestic violence um mm -hmm. at some point in their life It makes me wonder for all the kids who who don't end up as a 
trafficking statistics and also went through the like domestic abuse and or sexual violence like how did how like you know what other steps happened for the course to be so different it's that supportive supportive person in their life 100% anybody whether it was a teacher Mm -hmm. or a pastor or you know Mm -hmm. a family friend like they had somebody right anyone that they looked up to and they felt safe with and and were legitimately safe with yeah or even just someone who like asked how they're doing like are you okay like you weren't in school yesterday like you know yeah need anything um when I train teachers I tell them like because I mean it's so hard when you have a kid who's like coming and going and like not showing up to school and then when they come they're tired or they're pissed off at you and they just like don't want to be there and as a teacher I you know you're just like well you didn't come for the past week so you might as well just leave so you're sleeping in my classroom you know and so you get frustrated and so I just like tell teachers I'm like you like first of all the fact that they're sleeping in your classroom and they haven't seen you for a week means something's going on but they feel safe enough to fall asleep in your freaking classroom so <laughs> yeah pat yourself on the back um but also like how awesome instead of yelling at them and trying to wake them up and telling them to like leave the classroom would it just yeah. be if afterwards you were like hey can I get you something to eat do you need yep. some water like yep yeah so when I worked I haven't seen this so much here. And I think like COVID school year is so different. Um, I definitely saw this in DC, in Southern Maryland. You know, yeah. I'd oh, have I'm kids. Sure. Oh my God. I'd had, I'd have kids who, this one student, he was so, so bright. And like, he shouldn't have been in my class. The reason he was in my my class, I was teaching a self-contained English class. So kids who are learning mm-hmm. and or reading at like, a, I don't know, third grade level, when compared to their same age peers, I was teaching like a, a freshman and senior level class. And so um, this kid, he shouldn't have been in there for a learning disability, but he was because he wasn't in school that often and then when he was in school he was wearing the same clothes he was wearing the last time I saw him which sometimes was like a week ago Mm -hmm. and there would oftentimes like be bits of nature in his hair yeah and I I honestly I just felt lucky that he was coming in the into my class you know so many of the kids that I worked with in Southern Maryland would only come to my class. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> they wouldn't go to oh other classes. And like, That's so cool. I think it's, it's a huge re- reason why I like still teach. And, and it's when I interviewed at the school district I'm working for now, I thought it was a really lame interview. Um, and all I remember talking about is like, does it even matter, like, the curriculum that we're teaching these kids? Mm-hmm. Because so much of my job as a special ed teacher was, like, just making sure these kids were okay for the day. Mm-hmm. And they were when they came to my class. Yep. And and that was reinforced from me to them and from them to me with behaviors like that. Like, I knew this kiddo 
was he was okay when he was in my room and he knew he was okay yeah that's huge and if, that's, if that's amazing. 45 minutes of his week where he was like yeah i'm not gonna get shot at and nothing else is gonna happen to me i'm gonna be fed and miss mcdonough like gives a shit that i'm here like awesome it wasn't about like powering through the curriculum or like how well he was going to do on the stupid common core test <laughs> yep that's it was about a, a con- an emotional connection yeah well, it was some of my some of my finest teaching memories really are are with those kids from southern maryland i love that i think so in that student survey that i had told you about yeah. Um, I, I do, so I talk about that all the time when I do presentations and then the other part I end it with, if I'm talking well with teachers or school staff is that, um, I, that data, one question they asked was, do you feel safe at school? 75% mm. of you who answered yes to that question, like, you know, 75% of you feel safe at school out of those who have experienced trafficking or exploitation. Wow. And so that's huge. And, huge. and it's hard, too, because, like, a lot of the kids that I work with don't go to school. Like, they haven't. Yeah. Um, so those, I would say those numbers are pretty low because, you know, the kids who it's actually affecting, a lot of them aren't in school. So, um, or they weren't there, like, that day they took that survey. That was the survey that they could only take, like, at that day and that hour yeah. or whatever. Of course. Given again. So, yeah. you know, the data is restrictive. But, um. Yeah, I think when you talk about resiliency, like, one, the fact mm-hmm. that these kids show up and have so much other shit going on around them. Um, it's enormous. And then, yeah, it's huge. And then the fact yeah. that they show up to your classroom, yeah, they might have an attitude. Yeah. They, I don't fucking care. Know. I, like, bring yes. it on. Bring your right? attitude. Right? Me too. I love it. Me yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, bring it on. And so... Yeah, to me, it's just like I, you know, I have, I do have some really good relationships with teachers in our local school system. And, you know, I'll have a few of them call me when they're just like, I'm really concerned about this kid. Um, And so it's over time, like kind of going through time and time again, like I would have teachers that first call me like, this person is dressing really scandalously. And I'm like, okay, and... (laughs) Like, oh my god. What, like, what else have you got for me? (laughs) Right, give me more. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but over time, it's like, no, like, these kids, like, you know, trust you as adults. Yeah. And then, too, like, if something is really wrong, like, sure, call me if you need to. But, like, I guarantee you it's not the kid who just, like, keeps wearing a mini skirt every day at school. Like, it's just not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't that's, that's not our biggest concern here. It's mm-hmm. like, they're their choice of outfit no but we do have is that some is that like is i mean that seems like a bias to me that doesn't even seem like we (laughs) you ding 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 okay (laughs) (laughs) just because they don't like how Um, this teenage girl is dressing yeah but it goes back to like this idea of like almost a little bit victim blaming like it's you know totally with why based on what you wear right like right you wear that type of thing yeah 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 so Mm -hmm. um yeah I would say like I get asked all the time like where does it happen like where does sex trafficking happen (laughs) I'm always like what does that even mean like it happens everywhere it happens in schools a lot of times because a lot of um 
peer recruiting is what it's called. It's like youth who are the same age who might be recruiting for their pimp or might be like the recruiter for the pimp, you know, like the specific okay. recruiter for the pimp. And sometimes they're not getting, you know, sometimes the recruiter for the pimp is not the person being trafficked. They're just the recruiter. So that mm. happens a lot of time in like juvenile justice, um, like, yeah, juvenile justice centers. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that right. Juvenile centers. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but yeah. And then also at schools um, or like a residential program type of setting. But okay. Um, yeah, it can, I mean, and then it also, I see it happening a lot um, online. That's like, I would say the majority yeah. of it, you know? Wow. That's so, so internet safety stuff is like key and like at a young age for sure. Like I do, um, well, before COVID, I was doing in-person internet safety classes with um, a few local middle schools. Mm. And I loved it because I could like say sex, you know, and like yeah. let them like jump in their skin because they're so Shoot, Tatiana, I'm like, I'm like, can you come and do trainings at my school virtually <laughs> or do I need to I find can. someone local? I will find someone local because the local person knows what it looks like locally. But I'm happy you can't find one. I will sit through somebody else's lecture. But I want, like, I want, I want my kids to have, I'm like, (laughs) I'm saying my kids and it's like such a small group of children. (laughs) (laughs) I only work with like 12 kids directly. They are your kids. Yeah. um, But like really the whole middle school would benefit from this. So like, I'll just say that. Yeah, I think it's everyone, anyone who's a parent, I, I'm going to start doing, um, I'm so excited for this, like start doing webinars for parents, like internet safety webinars for parents and like how to oh, talk to Oh, we haven't parents. introduced the internet to Forest yet, but I know it's coming someday. Oh, yeah. So that it's would be coming, cool. Like, yeah. It's sooner so, than I want, I'm sure. All of us, for sure. Oh, my gosh. I, like, the fact terrifies me. I was sitting yeah. in, um, I was t- working with a youth. Um, on a case with this cop and the cop like the kid leaves or whatever and the the cop is like god damn it you know like I just can't get it through parents heads enough that the predators aren't these like creepy old men anymore on the other end of these kids yeah like phones they're like the kids the predators are now the kids the kids the classmates like the kids that our kids go to school with and we have to see them day in and day out and like you know the conversations that they have are so you know awful sometimes mm-hmm. um and so it's and they're like, all on, they're just on they're on so many different platforms like I yeah. can't even keep up it's crazy and also too like the fact like to tell a kid like just don't don't talk to someone or like don't use yeah. your phone or just block them like yeah you they can't. can block them but five minutes later another like another predator is gonna just, you know hit up their dms and like when i do training so i love it because the, the last training i do i always ask the kids all right how many of you kids and this is like six seventh eighth graders um you know how many of you guys have gotten asked for nude photos every hand goes up to that point we've like built a relationship and it's like a really fun oh. group and every hand i kid you not every time i've done this training every hand goes up and there's like teachers in the room and the, the best part is to see the look on these teachers faces because they're so shocked because um, sixth graders are 11 years old yeah right and so 
Um, so then we start to talk about it. Like, I really try to make it like a safe place and like, you know, your judgment free zone, like, let's talk yeah. about our experiences. And um, so then, you know, I will typically ask, like, when you are on an app, like, how many times a day do you get asked for a nude photo? And typically, mm-hmm. I do like have them write it down. And we kind of like, track it as a group. And typically, it's like, within the first um, with a new app, if they download a new app, they'll get asked, um, what is it, seven to ten times a day, and then... Like, if they just got, if they just started their TikTok. Yeah, yep, and then... If they just started their, like, my kids are so yep. obsessed with their Snap score. Mm-hmm, yep, and then, so they get asked, and then ten times a day, and then I'm always like, well, how soon typically do you get asked, like... And they're like, oh, within minutes, like, we have some creeper on our phone. And I'm like, okay, so, like, this is normal. Like, our kids, like, this is just their life. So, for us to be like, no, just turn off your phone and don't deal with it. Like, that's not helpful or realistic. Yeah. You know? Wow. So, it's really, you know, I don't know. You know, we don't, I don't think as educators, we've, moved along with the times in terms of like like I remember in grad school which was 10 years ago now um we did talk about what was the phrase we were using I don't know media literacy but like specifically related to the internet and like being able to discern a reputable source and Mm -hmm. you know like wikipedia (laughs) might be your starting point but like that's not that's not your primary (laughs) source keep digging yeah yeah and and at that point it was still like chat room like the you know oh god yeah the terms were like chat room like Mm -hmm. maybe facebook which none of the children are on facebook that i'm working with facebook is for old people now yeah (laughs) and you know, I just, like, things have, technology things have changed so quickly that, like, educators have not, have not been able to stay up to date with all of that. So, like, how do we have those conversations with these kids? That's not a part of the curriculum. And it absolutely needs to be now because Mm -hmm. this isn't going away. No, no, no. I, I tell parents, like, so everyone might, think differently but I just think you gotta ask your kid like you gotta be like how's it going like is there anything that's scaring you right now like if there is like you can always come talk to me you're not gonna be like you're not gonna get your phone taken away like you're not gonna get in trouble I won't judge you like I just wanna like if you need help I'm here but if you don't want to tell me like you know you can over time kind of start to prepare them or like practice with them of like if some guy says this or like you feel really uncomfortable by what someone says you can do this um, or those types of is things. it also possible that it's like someone close to their age, regardless of gender, who is like grooming them? Oh, yeah. Oh, my okay. God. All the time. Yes. Okay. I think like the craziest part to me is like, so they're getting asked, like, let's say seven to 10 times in a day to get a nude sent. By the 10th time, how exhausted are you going to be about? like that question right so you've had 10 or 9 people grooming you up to the 10th question how vulnerable might you might be or might you be at that 10th time yeah right 
And so that's like the thing I don't think parents realize. It's like not just that your kids are getting shady people every now and then. It's like a constant thing. And like I will say a lot of kids really have like great coping skills on how to handle that. Like I have kids who will be like, I just send a really ugly photo. And like, you know, they think it's funny and they like, they have to because that's how they cope with it. And that's how they get around, like, you know, work in this world of social media and internet and stuff. But, um, and the the constant access, like there's no, it doesn't stop Mm -hmm. for them. No. Yeah. And now we're asking them to be on a device all day mm-hmm. in addition to the time when they're not in school. Yeah, it's crazy. I think like the hardest thing I've seen for the youth I work with is like I have some youth who a lot of youth who are like out of the life like they're in trafficking in the life of trafficking. Sometimes they call it like the life in the life out of life. Okay. And um so I have had a lot of I had a lot of um youth who are in the life and then like you know got out of the life or had like had like legal jobs had like you know we're doing really whatever they were like just healing from their experience mm-hmm. right and so then COVID hit they lost mm-hmm. their jobs a lot of them were parents single parents mm-hmm. and they needed to survive and so yeah they got in touch with their pimp because they knew how much money they made when they were with them you know so it's like mm-hmm. uh it's COVID is how much money horrible. can someone make um you know I'm not gonna lie I don't know because <laughs> I've okay. never asked straight up but I know it's a lot like for sure and the hard part is that typically enough enough to will take most of it okay but yeah if you are in a relationship with your pimp or like your pimp is your boyfriend or your pimp is your dad um mm-hmm. you know you trust that person and that person okay. is probably taking care of you and paying for everything like one risk factor I always tell people about is like if a youth has like all of a sudden all these unexplained things like really nice clothes all of a sudden and your cell phone and their nails mm-hmm. are done and all of a sudden their hair looks really nice you know like all these things that add up question it because it's probably yeah. like something going on you know yeah oh my god I'm like flashing to like all these students who like what if I missed it what if I'm, what if I missed it and I could have done something? No, I think you're looking at it wrong. They were there. <laughs> you did everything you needed to do because they came to your classroom. Like they felt safe okay. with you. Is it, is it also possible that because you grow accustomed to a certain lifestyle and because you're young, you don't know any different. Oh and, yeah, or you feel like this is the way of the world, or oh, it's gosh. or yeah. it's hopeless, and and obviously like the perpetrator is like, of course, yeah, it's hopeless. Like I'm your only chance. Yeah, or like they're grooming them for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So There's is it like... possible then that they like don't want out? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I um would say that all these I work with don't have the same language I'm using in a podcast. Like they don't. Like if they heard me say like if I was to say like, hey, you're like you're being trafficked, um, or you're a victim of trafficking, they told me to fuck off. You know, like they would be like, no, okay. I'm not. Right. Like I would say, I've never said that unless that is what they have said about them, their own situation. Um, okay. And so, 
yeah, they don't have the language. They don't understand what that they're being taken advantage of that, you know, um, they really, most of the time, they like really, truly love their boyfriend or girlfriend or their pimp or whatever. Okay. Um, and this is just something that they have to do to survive. Like, yeah, we needed to pay rent. So I went out and did X, Y, Z. Like, no big okay. deal, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's like, and grooming is like such a huge part of it. Like, um, there's what's called trauma bonding. So, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Maybe you have. I have heard of it, but um, only because I've like talked to all my yoga teacher friends about trauma a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, it's fascinating to me. I really am fascinated by trauma bonding, but like, you know, it's like um, it can happen between like the person, like the victim and the temper, the trapper, the abuser. Or it can happen between, like, if you have multiple people who are being trafficked and living together, it can happen between those victims. Right. So, um, you know, like... Did you read that book? Done. Did you read that book called Room? No. And then the, I think they made a movie. I'm pretty sure they made a movie. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It won the um, Oscar, I feel like. Okay. Well, oh, shoot, because who was it? It's like this young... It's this young blonde. Can't remember her name. Yoshi would remember. Anyway, um, it was a young girl who who was trapped in a a tiny little cell, who was provided with you know everything she needed to like live, mm-hmm. and she ended up having a baby from. Um, from this person who had trapped her she ended up having a baby and they were in there for five years together before they got out and so this baby grew up for the first five years of his life thinking like this was his entire world was this one room um oh my gosh yeah and there was there was definitely some allegiance to the person who had kept them in this room and kept them safe and relatively healthy and like I mean they had food and a, and a bed to sleep in and mm-hmm. um and then there was allegiance for this little kid in in other kind of weird ways right like to his mom oh yeah yeah so it was Absolutely. really it was an incredible read also deeply disturbing Mm-hmm. Um, especially that. now, like I read that a long time ago before I was a parent, and and especially now, things hit you different when you're when you're a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you put yourself, you're like, oh my god, that could be my kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think too, like I mean, so you have a kid with someone, right? That changes everything, whether that's an abusive right. person or not. You know, like, um, yeah, being a parent really makes things like you're willing to do what you need to do. And then also mm-hmm. like just willing to be like, all right, like I have a kid now here. So yeah, mm-hmm. I can really hear that to too. Like I, I did what I needed to do and whether that was like to protect your child or keep them closed or keep them fed or like, right. Because it you almost, mm-hmm. it's almost like this dissociation where you like separate yourself from that situation 
Mm-hmm. And it's your yeah, responsibility. Even still knowing exactly. it's your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, um, I work with like so many amazing um, leaders who end up like um, they're considered like survivor leaders. So like they're, they've survived a trafficking situation and, and they end up like over time becoming like leaders in some way. And so um, I've gotten to learn from them so much. And so this one mm-hmm. um, woman who's an executive director, she has said like one time we're talking about we're trying in Minnesota, we're trying to pass legislation to take off, um, to essentially pass partial decriminalization and take off also the age um, range in our state, like taking off oh, the age wow. of 18. So okay. a lot of us are working on that and trying to get that started. And so there's this one executive director and she was like, you know, like I was in the life for this many years. I had three kids with my trafficker like there's no way in heck I would have turned him into the police because then there goes my kid's dad and I'm the one to blame for it at that point no matter what he did to me like my kids would be without a dad and I just wasn't willing to do that you know what I mean and it's like oh my gosh yeah I totally get that like I would probably do the same thing right so yeah there's so many so many layers to it Mm. Damn, and all, all, like, I had no idea. And now I feel like I have a responsibility to bring this to my school district. Meanwhile, we are also dealing with the fact that we do not meet the recommendations for the air quality (laughs) to have children in the building. And the parents don't even know that yet. Oh, my gosh. And other schools they might in our state, this podcast. other oh schools gosh. in our state provided an entire binder of air quality reports before school even opened so that parents could make an informed decision mm-hmm. on whether or not to send their children to school. Yep. So, oh goodness, um, so it's a thing that I'm still processing, mm-hmm. but I also feel like this is deeply important. <laughs> Um, yeah. Do you have suggestions for like what I think we're at this point where I can like ask you like what can I do like what can Yoshi and me do what can Lehman do like what can yeah. we do as just like people who live here <laughs> yeah, yeah I truly think um, I take like a really community approach to this issue I think First of all, I don't think trafficking is ever going to end, unfortunately. Like, and I don't mean to say that, like, sounding super, I mean, that sounds so negative. But as long as there are people willing to take advantage of other people, like, you'll have trafficking and exploitation. So um, I just think that connecting with the places, the agencies that are doing the work, um, and also, like, looking at the bigger picture, right? Like, homelessness, like, Mm -hmm. um, those youth who are LGBTQ plus or two spirited, like those programs that support them and making sure those programs are like have what they need or like if there's a way you can help, um, you know, like making sure that our homeless shelters, like, you know, just looking at the bigger picture because once you touch every issue, it all overlaps. Like, yeah. And then also the other side of it is like bringing youth in, making youth feel like they're a part of our community. Like I think um, something I'm trying to do right now in my own city is connect youth with like local entrepreneurs or like state businesses, like 
have a lot of youth who want to work in the restaurant industry, but for them, it's really one, it's triggering, and two, it's they're really exploitive a lot of times, yeah. the restaurant yeah. industry. So, um, trying to figure out like in the best restaurants ones. can be safe. They will take. They want that. Yeah, and but they'll mm-hmm. take everything you'll, you're willing to give. Yeah, absolutely. But then you they have will. like you know mm-hmm. people who can be really like sexual harassment is huge in the restaurant yeah. industry. You know, so it's For like. Sure. I don't want to send a youth to a bar, even though they might make really good money and the owner might be nice. If I know that bar is like, has a lot of like sexual harassment cases coming out of it, or I've heard, you know, the things yeah. about it before, but yeah, just connecting youth to like safe businesses, um, helping them feel like part of the community, like, and that they can succeed in the community they're in is huge. Like, I truly feel that like if a lot of youth felt like they were seen by everyone, like, you know, if they could get a job that they really liked with someone who was like really positive for them in their lives, like the likelihood of them going to meet their pimp the next day is really the chances of it are pretty rare, you know? Mm. And so just like really building that really supportive system in our own communities, I think is one of the hugest things. Wow. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. I'm also wondering if I need to like contact my representatives. Yeah. I think that's definitely. Hey, okay. What are we doing? Where do we stand? What else can we do? Yeah. Legislative is kind of that like long, long term thing. Right. But like typically it sounded like what you were asking is like, what can I do right now? And there are things you can do right now. Yeah. Um, you're doing some of the things right now. You're a freaking teacher, you know, like that's huge. Um, and you're a good teacher. I think too, um, if you want to like locally is where the real change needs to happen. like contacting like your city council members. Okay. Asking your police department, like, how do you handle cases? And like, don't like give whatever (laughs) answer they give you the first time. Keep asking or keep like, you know whatever you can do to kind of get answers but yeah okay <laughs> dang this is informative i'm glad <laughs> I mean, you're like, like silent yeah i'm like is he he's probably like really asleep i'm sorry no no it's just you know it's something you it, it's a topic for like me i don't think about it a lot um you have children who are about to enter this age group right so you know my my thoughts are like my daughter needs to become like a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and start snapping guys necks mm-hmm. um <laughs> it, it, and it's hard because i've got two boys and one girl mm-hmm. so it's like yeah but it's my- not but it's not it's you not- can't just like think about protecting sage you have to it's not it's not gender bias yeah. necessarily. No, I think, you know, like teaching kids what's healthy and what's not. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even, you can teach kids that even if they live in really unhealthy living environments, you can teach a kid what's healthy and what's not, you know? Yeah. A lot of yeah. times kids don't know. And really also teaching like health, like um, sex education, healthy sex education and mm-hmm. helping them understand consent and um, yeah. having those really awkward conversations about consent can be really uncomfortable, but it's essential, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I, when I was a teenager, there was no talk of consent. Like, my dad gave me a pack of condoms and said, don't get her pregnant. Like, that was it. I'm cringing. That is so, I'm cringing. I mean, I think that's fairly common, though. I do feel like that happened to a lot yeah. of my friends as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this yeah. this was 1995. Uh, okay, but so. it's but it's, it's like also have you seen, like. Go ahead. I was gonna say Mean Girls, where the, the gym teacher is like, "Do not have sex, or you will die," <laughs> or whatever it is he says. I feel like that's always how people approach it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think our health yeah. teacher took a different approach, and she was like, "Look at this slide of black syphilis. Don't have sex." <laughs> Gross! <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. That is burned into my memories. I mean. I don't think they like, I think it's the wrong approach to teach kids, obviously, like, that sex is bad. Like, teach yeah. consent, teach, state, like, healthy, healthy relationships, um, relationships, healthy healthy boundaries, yeah, yes. boundaries, like, and they, from there, will know how to do things safely, right? That's, like, what yeah. we want as parents. Um, instead of the fear mongering that can occur. And just the fear that happens when you see your kid, like, getting asked for nudes or like you know what I mean like we as parents like it's absolutely crazy that our kid would be getting asked for a nude photo or whatever it is getting approached by a predator that's it like, for us is never having a device yeah no I think <laughs> <laughs> that cop I was talking to was like I am not ever he was like um elementary school kids and he's like my kid's not getting a phone until 